Well, shalom, everyone. This is Dr. Dina Dye with Returning to Eden and my co-host, Jeff Morton. Are you there, Jeff? I am here. Hi, Dina. How are you tonight? I'm doing well. I understand that you were stuck in traffic for two hours and barely made it behind your microphone. It was a challenge to get here, (laughs) but but I'm here. Okay. Well, we have an exciting show tonight, Um, but before we get started, uh, one thing we just wanted to say thanks to Messianic Lamb Radio. After tonight, our program is going to be pre-recorded, and so it'll be at the same time, and you can listen, but uh, we we just really appreciate them, and there are various reasons for us going pre-recorded. You can check out our Facebook page, Returning to Eden, or you can go to Jeff's um, his uh, blog site, jeffsmorton.com. Is that right, Jeff? Actually, that's go to my website, uh, okay. uh, jeffsmorton.com, and I'll have all of the information up there as to as to the change. But uh, I too would like to say, my goodness, thanks thanks to Messianic Lamb Radio and their audience and and the folks that helped us get started with our program. And uh, we'll just talk about some of the reasons why we're moving on the website. But uh, for the most part. We're gonna. You're still gonna be able to hear our shows here, and we we hope you do tune in uh, to uh, returning to Eden. And so, really, largely, that's that's kind of all we really have yeah. to say there. Yeah, it's just it's just uh, instead of live, it'll be pre-recorded. So yes. it, it, you know, it's not like we had a call-in show. So, um, but we uh, you know we really appreciate them. And uh, I forgot what I was gonna say, but I guess that's part of getting old. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're, but we're excited to be here, and uh, and uh, now I remember next week and the week after, you all know that Jeff is going to Peru, to Akipa, Peru, and he's going to be ministering down there, and I'm actually off to go, I'll be doing some filming, so the next two shows will will be uh, pre-recorded as well. Um, I, you know, really, we, we left off last time, We uh, actually last week, we talked about what we were doing uh, sort of gave our personal <laughs> bit of our personal story of what's going on in our ministries, etc. So we thought we would pick it up t- tonight and maybe go talk a little bit more about the concept uh, the concept of temple language. Um, did you? Uh, what did you think about that? If, if I, I actually, I, there's something that I want to say to the audience in those okay. listening. When. One of the things that happens when you start learning about the temple and you start learning about ancient Near East treaty law and covenant law, it, it starts changing the dynamic of how we understand, you know, the the way that the Bible is communicating. But you have to you have to kind of follow along with this. Otherwise, you'll you really will get lost because what Dean and I both try to do is we try to take this out of a religious connotation and make it the reality of the way things work. That's what this program is all about. And if you if you hear words that seem a little strange, like Dina's going to mention a few tonight, keep in mind that the world that we're talking about is not this one that you and I live in. It's the one that they lived in. And so all of these things that we're trying to bring to bear is to get you to see how the world was when all of this was being written for our benefit. And that's really, really important, or you will really have have a difficult time following why we're spending so much time on the temple and the temple language and, and all of the doors that are going to open as a result of that. This is 
and I say this, I've been saying this for 10 years. This is mind blowing. And I just would really encourage the audience. You, it's kind of like trying to take 50 years of, of research and jam it into a 30 minute program for a period of time. Uh, so stick with us and follow along and understand that our King is coming. It's all about him anyway. And that's what we're trying to get across is how did he set all of this up and how far away from it all have we become? And that's why Dean and I have come together to do Returning to Eden. So Dina, that's really all I wanted to say. And oh, I'm, no, I'm, that's, that's great. Amen. I mean, that's exactly, uh, it's a good foundation to lay. I can't express how important it is because we want to understand the kingdom. We want to understand our king and what he did. And without that connection to the to the ancient world, what we have to realize is we're really a kind of a sum total of the last 300 years. And the age of enlightenment was really sort of a turning point in everything that we have become today in the church, et cetera. I use that term. Is, is a result of really from the, the age of enlightenment forward. And we don't even know that we think like that. It's kind of like for folks coming into the Hebrew roots movement, you, you recognize that you've had sort of a, a Greek mindset, you know, a Western mindset, and suddenly you have to start thinking like a Middle Eastern person, like the ancient Hebrews uh, did in a different language and a different culture. So I know many of you recognize that, we're just trying to take it to the next step because uh, we both understand that the Bible was written to an ancient people. And though the ancient people, their whole world was structured around temples. You know, ours are not. It was interesting. My husband and I were watching a show the other night on the, about China and the Forbidden City. And they were just talking about, you know, the temple being built there going back, what, six, seven, eight hundred years. And all of the things that... I understand about temples today in the ancient Near East culture is exactly the same as it was in the Asian culture. So this is something very familiar to them. They've had the benefit of thousands of years. Uh, we, on the other hand, only have a few hundred, and uh, we kind of missed the mark on that. Well, one of the things, too, you know, you have to look at Washington, D.C. If Washington, D.C. was obliterated, I'm talking about the Capitol building, the White House, and all of the monuments that have been erected. It would, it would turn this nation into complete and utter disarray. And that's literally what happened when both temples were destroyed in Israel. And so if you can just kind of imagine the chaos that would ensue, yeah. and then to have an invading army, so we kind of have to look at it that way. What we've done, Adina, I like what you just said about China, is we've made for the last, I would say, 1,800 years, this a church revelation as opposed to a kingdom revelation. And so returning to Eden is trying to get us back to that kingdom revelation by which all of the nations were established in the first place. Everything we're doing, we're, we're a product of what was going on, not something new. And that's what we're trying to get across. We're going back and unfurl all the things that kind of led us away from this understanding. Like you said, Dina, the people in China, this is this is kind of common language to them because it's still talk about their temples. Yeah. And, you know, we have to understand almost everything that came out of Yeshua's mouth was related to the kingdom. I mean, think of all the parables, everything he said, referring to himself as son of God was just a title for the king. And everything, he was just trying to show 
the folks, you know, the, the kingdom is here now in your midst. And of course, it came to its fullness then with his uh, death, burial, and resurrection. So, and of course, he calls himself a temple. I, just on that basis alone, you would think folks would want to understand, you know, if, if Yeshua himself is saying uh, from John chapter 2, destroy this temple and in three days I'll be, uh, rebuild it, and he was talking about his own body, uh, surely we would try to understand and see the importance of a temple. I mean, he's comparing himself to a temple, so it's kind of critical. And, and those people, too, just to finish this up, they would have had a different understanding about all of this than certainly any one of us. They would have, this was a cultural norm for them. Uh, and, and we, again, we're trying to get our audience to see it from their lens in order to understand when it says thy kingdom coming, well, it's coming, make no doubt about it, but it's not going to come in the way that we understood it. It's going to come in the way that he planned it. That's the heart and soul of returning to Eden, Dina. Amen. Well, one of the points, the key points we wanted to make tonight, and I doubt we'll finish it. Uh, we'll probably we'll finish it up next time. But the idea of the one of the main things is that the temple was the connecting point between heaven and earth. That's why it was put there. It was put there to connect those two spheres, heaven and earth. So when we start in Genesis 1-1, everybody knows this, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. That is signifying, if you will, it's kind of like a preamble to a covenant. So a covenant, you know when a covenant was made, it was cut. And so it has this, this, the context of being cut and joined together because as you're making a covenant agreement, two things are coming together to become one. So heaven and earth are essentially cut in order to come together and be one and produce life. So the idea of it being cut meant that they were separated. And so the, the thing that was between the separation between heaven and earth was the temple. And when we, you know, we're not going to go into Genesis chapter one here in, in detail, but when we come to the end of the chapter uh, and moving into chapter two, it tells us thus the heavens and earth were completed in all their hosts. So now we have this imagery of the coming together of heaven, of heaven and earth. And it's very interesting because that word there for completed is the Hebrew word kala, which also is a bride. So we know, uh, those of you who celebrate the Shabbat Friday night, we know that the Shabbat represented a bride. So we have this imagery of this union of the two coming together. And then, of course, the Shabbat telling us it's this time of rest. It's the kingdom come in fullness. And it is speaking of the unity between heaven and earth. So I just I wanted to just establish that first before we go into all the different things that represent connecting points between heaven and earth. Did you want to add anything? Well, no, I just um, no. I, actually, I'm uh, go ahead, c continue, Dina, because I'm I'm anxious to see where you're going to go with this. Okay, the, the next so, word that's coming up. <laughs> okay, well, uh, so. You understand there's this this connection point, and what you're going to see is there are many, many things in Scripture that are speaking of the connecting point between heaven and earth. We just don't recognize the terminology. We're not familiar with that kind of language. So the, the word here that Jeff is wondering about is, is called the 
Axis Mundi. So Mundi from a world moaned in French. It is, it is because they, the ancients looked at it as in, in the world, in the cosmic world, there was a, an axis, A-X-I-S. So you have a vertical axis and you have a horizontal axis. The ancients looked at everything in terms of the vertical. Again, heaven, earth, and sea all lined up vertically, and this thing <laughs> connected all three together. So they would call this thing either the axis mundi or a world pillar, or what you might be familiar with is a world tree. And this is very important because this is why we have a garden with trees in them. The idea of these trees were the connecting point between heaven and earth. And in fact, in some quarters, they would actually compare this, uh, this vertical axis to an umbilical cord that would provide nourishment and sustenance to, to the temple, if you will. So the garden was essentially the axis mundi or the vertical axis, the, the point in which heaven and earth were connected. So it, we call it sort of the center of the world. And if you're reading in Genesis 2 and 3, it, it describes it, uh, the garden as being in the midst, in the midst of the garden, in the midst of the cosmos. But this is referring to this vertical axis that connects these three spheres. So what we find is any kind of mountain or elevated place, because a mountain was the closest thing to heaven, and it was between heaven and earth, it was considered to be this vertical axis that held these two things together. So the, the mountain was also talked about as being like a pillar, as pillars uh, connect things. So again, it always went back to the status. Now, if we look at ancient Israel, there were particularly two mountains that were key in their community. And of course, that would be Mount Sinai, Mount Sinai, where they received the, the commandments of God. And of course, Moses went up into the cloud, uh, which represented the Holy of Holies, and Mount Zion, Mount, uh, where Mount Moriah, where we would have the temple built, because these are places that connect the two spheres. Did you want to add anything to that? Well, I, I want to go back to something Professor Walton talked about, because remember, Abba Father could have used the ocean. He could have used anything, but he used the template that they understood. That's why he went up on the mountain as opposed to down to the seashore. In right. other words, the father was using stuff that that people would have related to based on the way he set the nations up in the first place. And so the reason why I was cautioning you on this word axis mundi, this, this word is it's kind of recklessly treated in a lot of new age the theology sure. and doctrines and sure. all this kind of stuff. And I want to make sure that we're not moving in that direction. We're, we're talking about the King of King and Lord of Lords always on this program, not whatever happens to be rolling around under a rock somewhere in some new age theology. So keep that in mind, because if you look up the word Access Monday, you're going to see all this new age and enlightenment oh, yeah. Yeah. gobbledygook. And that's why I wanted to, I couldn't wait for you to get here because I wanted to make sure we had the addendum. This is about our Lord, our Savior, the one who repairs the breach. Not some person running around chasing a crystal or something uh, uh, just to be kind of half-wit about the whole thing. So, But this, again, is God is using their environment to reveal himself. So he's using things that they're familiar with. 
That's right. why he went to the mountain. But there's also layers and layers of that too. Oh yeah, so, because everything he did was distinctive from the cultures around them. Yes, so there exactly. were there were patterns that look like the cultures, and and this is one of the problems in scholarship because uh, many scholars will simply say that Israel took stole whatever you want to say what the cultures were doing around them and in and um, embraced that and brought it into their own community, but. As we read the Bible, we recognize that God, even though this was the, their environment, God always did something outside of what was, you know, what was understood and what was known, so that it looked different enough to the nations around to say, "Oh, Israel's God," <laughs> you know, Israel's God is different. Israel's God uh, does this, that, or the other, uh, and there was a very, there was always a distinction between you know, the gods, deities of the ancient world and Israel's God. So that that's a really important point to make. And 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 just to just to reiterate that there's a verse in scripture which says when God established the nations, he did so according to the sons of, of, of Israel. And so when we that was long before Israel, you know, existed. So when we understand that the template kind of mindset, uh I understand what you're saying, Dina. I want to make sure that our audience understands that Israel didn't create something out of nothing. It just followed the template that was ordained by God a little more succinctly than the rest of the nations. But the rest of the nations were on the same plane because it was God who established the nations, not the nations establishing the nations. Does that make sense? In other words, there's an order to how he has done everything. And, Absolutely. And that's what Dean is trying to trying to say there. I think you did it well. I just want to make sure people understand that the nations were established by God. We didn't do this. Satan right. doesn't come up with wonderful ideals. He simply manipulates the ideal that exists. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. And so, again, when we go back to the idea of there is this point, this temple that's between heaven and earth, and the idea was that in the, if you will, the end of days or when all things are restored uh, when the day of the Lord comes, the temple is no longer this point in between heaven and earth. It's like all one big happy eternity. Do you know what I'm saying? We no longer have this physical thing sitting there where we, you know, the services and the furniture and all these things are conducted. It is that when the day of the Lord is fulfilled, heaven and earth are restored and there's no longer a need to have a something in between. Does that make sense? Yes. It, yeah. To me, it makes perfect sense. Okay. It's kind of <laughs> like, I like what you wrote about in your book. It's, it's like when time is no longer necessary, it won't be in, it won't be what separates. Exactly. And, limits. and, and actually Zechariah uh, 12, I think that's where it is. When it talks about there'll no longer be day or night, Right. And it describes it as being a unique day, which is really not a very good translation. It should be one day because basically the days all are restored to one day, the Shabbat, the messianic kingdom, the, the, the perfection of time and what we would call eternity. So everything is gearing us to that place where there's no longer time. There's no longer separation and division between night and day and heaven above and below and all that sort of thing where we go back to where we started, essentially, and everything is one. The two one become day. one. Yeah, 
Exactly. And so that, that was that theme follows the whole entire scriptural narrative. But anyway, sorry, Dean, I didn't want to interrupt you. Well, no, and that's why I, I started with the, the very first verse, because in the very first verse, as we cut a covenant and separate, when we get to Genesis 2 1 and we have the Shabbat, the Sabbath, everything is restored. So heaven and earth, there's no longer a division. Now, while there is a separation between heaven and earth, we have this fixed point between the two. So it started out being the garden that we have in Genesis 2 and 3. When we get to Noah, the time of Noah, the ark is going to be that center place between heaven and earth. And you know, when he, Noah and his family get in the ark, they're lifted up by the waters above the mountains. This is classic language of what we're talking about. And, and I, I hope people can see that. And of course, then the, the waters receded and the dry ground appeared and the ark, you know, was left on top of a mountain. That was that central point between heaven and earth. And then when you get into temples proper, you find that lots of other things, the, the altar. Now, in the ancient uh, Mesopotamian world, they had ziggurats, which functioned in the same way. They were the connecting point between their, you know, for their God in, in the ancient world, but altars and, and incense and candles and torches and all these things. And what we see for the children of God in the wilderness as they leave exile from Egypt, we have a pillar of smoke, a pillar of fire by day. So uh, by night, th the, this is the same expression that, that God was, this was the center point between heaven and earth, which was, of course, the tabernacle, that the, the moving tabernacle in the wilderness was that center point. And this eventually is all going to take us to Messiah. He's saying the exact same thing. Yeshua is saying, I am that center point. I am the connecting point between heaven and earth. So that's key. Everything about the temple was being that connecting point. You know, I'm sitting here thinking, um, I, I'm going to throw a challenge out to, to our listeners. I, I want you to um, uh, just, I want you to look up the word pitch. When you mentioned Noah, it brought this okay. to mind, Dina. Look up the word pitch in Hebrew, the word is kafar. And then I want you to look at all of the different meanings that that word means, and you'll be able to connect virtually every one of them to Messiah and also a temple. So I, I'm just gonna I'm gonna challenge the audience. Look up the word pitch in Hebrew and the various meanings, and you'll understand that when we get to Noah, we're talking about a temple all over again, and you'll understand better what Dina just said. Go yeah, ahead, and, and, well, I wanted to read this verse in Revelation because in light of what we're saying about this, what, uh, like the, the pillar of fire, pillar of smoke and all these things, the incense are connect, they connect heaven with earth. Let me just read this because hopefully this will put it in a different context for people. Yeah, from Revelation 8, 3, 3 through 5, I'm sure you've read this a million times. It talks about the angel that came and stood at the altar holding a golden incense burner he was given much incense to offer up along with the prayers of the righteous upon the golden altar before the throne. The smoke of the incense with the prayers of the righteous rose before God from the angel's hand. This is classic in what we're talking with our vertical axis, the union between heaven and earth. Our prayers are that connecting point between heaven mm -hmm. and earth. Amen. And that smoke rises up. And so that uh, in that context, our prayers move upon the Lord. And it is through 
sort of through the temple and its services and all of that that allows our prayers to go up uh, to the <coughs> top. So yes. Revelation has a lot of this kind of language. We're just trying to put it in its ancient context uh, to help you understand it better. But And again, we see this just over and over again. So we have the vertical axis connecting heaven and earth, but we also at the same time have a horizontal axis now that's the connecting point between people. That is the 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 ability to bring people together in that in that vertical way, and uh, often the altar was seen as that intersection point. Of course, the place where they would come to bring their offerings, and that was the place for repentance and uh, you know all that sort of thing. To 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 in order for the prayers to go up, it's kind of like it had to go out. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Well, and these two, I, the, I do. The, two, this was this was by order of the king. So these things that they were doing, that's why the biggest mistake we do as Christians often is we skip over that book called Leviticus. But I'll tell you what, when you when you start reading Leviticus and you start seeing these things, and then you turn around and read what what Dina just wrote, those verses are also in Leviticus about the angel standing at the altar with the incense and. You begin to see this whole, the two become one thing everywhere. And I yes. like how you mentioned the umbilical cord, because the two coming together to produce the one is kind of that connection, that whole thing, that whole thing called life. To This is why we're all here in the first place, folks, is to bring forth life and be connected to the king and all that he is bringing to this planet. It's and an amazing thing. And to, and to each, each other. other. That's exactly yeah, that's right. the thing we always forget. So when Yeshua is talking about I and the Father are one, and you know Genesis, uh, Genesis, John fifteen through seventeen in there, there's like you could read. I mean, it's kind of mind numbing there about all. But the one business has to do with the reunification of heaven and earth, where there's right. no longer a separation between the two, which is normally the temple. They are one, and He has removed the physical separation between heaven and earth and allowed us to approach God. It's remarkable. So in light of the ancient, uh, how the ancients viewed, that would have been totally outside the box for the ancient world because there ain't no way that they had that kind of a relationship with their deity. And, and, and if, if you, when you step away from these biblical things that we're talking about, then you step into the world of all those crazy deities. And oh, if yeah. you look at the way the world is working, the crazy deities are destroying everything. Hence, the restoration of all things is underway, but not that way. It's based on the way that the Father ordered the kingdom, his kingdom, to operate in this earth. That's what's being restored. Right now, we got to deal with all this lunacy going on around us. And I'm sure those of you who believe in the God of Israel see the lunacy because we're all kind of stuck in it. Yeah. But these, this returning to Eden is a program showing you how, the, when you folks start seeing this, you'll start seeing exactly what the Father is doing to restore the kingdom of God. And you'll see how different he is from the world in which, yes. you know, the ancients wrote. He And that, I mean, we, we don't really see it in the same, it would have been so dramatic for them to see the God of Israel, how he protected them and nurtured them and cared for them and provided for them, all those things that, especially when they were in the wilderness, that would have just been remarkable to the ancient world. 
Well, Dina, we're out of time. We want to thank Messianic Lamb Radio for uh, the last 11 weeks. Uh, I'm going to Peru uh, next Wednesday. Dina, you're going to be busy. We will uh, see you guys on the other side of the next two weeks. Looking forward to you joining us on Returning to Eden with Dr. Dina Dye and Jeff Morton. Thank you, and God bless you. Thank you. Yahweh bless you richly. Amen. Dina? Shalom. Shalom. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye.